Tell your story, build your brand. ArtMediaNorthwest.com. A-R-T-M-E-D-I-A-N-W.com. Now enjoy this conversation with Michael Calloway, part two of two. What would be your advice to 14-year-old Michael if he would listen? Fairly confident he wouldn't. Um, but if he did, if he did, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a chance. Um, practice more. Understanding that distinction for me between practice and playing. Um, because, you know, I can be playing while it's also technically practice because it's still building up muscle memory. But a lot of it was just unintentional playing or whatever. You know, I remember when I was getting more serious about doing a music program, sometimes I'd be playing in my room, just noodling away, just goofing around, like not really doing anything serious or productive. And, you know, my dad would knock on the door and he'd come in and be like, hey, how's it going? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing good. Um, you know, just playing guitar. Like, okay, cool. Playing or practicing? Playing. Should you be practicing? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to, just wanted to see how you're doing. <laughs> you know? And, you know, just kind of not being like, you know, you need to practice more. Right. But just like, just something to think about. Which, you know, I didn't think about it often enough. I think when I was a kid, I also had this idea that participating in musical activities at school was not going to help me be a better musician, which just feels unbelievably stupid now. But I think it was a lot of just, you know, reading, you know, biographies of, you know, musicians who I wanted to grow up and be just like, and I, was I like, know they didn't need to be in the school band. So why should I be in the school band? They weren't in the school. But yeah, no, join the school band, join the school choir, because Mr. Seeley's a great guy. And it's a shame that you never got to sing for him in a choir. Learn to read music sooner. Meet more musicians and be more open to musical ideas that aren't exactly what you want. Don't be afraid of failure or at least let it sting, but allow yourself to be in that position where it stings. Don't be afraid of the failure. Because I think there are a lot of things in, you know, in, in life that that fear of failure can get really inhibiting. And again, just make it easier to, to not do the thing. Right. Because, oh, if I, don't, if I don't go to music school, then I won't know that I would have or wouldn't have made it. So I didn't fail at it. But, you know, I, 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 as I've gotten older, kind of recognizing that idea of, like, inaction is still action. And, True. Um, and I think it's the kind of thing, you know, kind of going back to the adversity bit, bit too with you know that idea of failure because I think that's a that fear of failure can be a big adversity to kind of try to power through and even now kind of trying to get music stuff going more earnestly where any of those moments where it just feels like kind of throwing in the towel it's like I know those delusions of grandeur of the like the stadium tour and whatever like the the iota of a percent of a chance that those will ever happen still exists sure and once I say, nah, I'm done, it's gone. And so I don't get to decide when that success is going to materialize. I can do all the work that I want to, but, you know, again, there's so many factors outside of your control. But I can, I can do all that work or I can decide that I'm not going to, like, that I'm done and now that chance is gone. So I don't get to decide that I'm going to get that success, but I do get to decide 
when that door is closed. And so as long as I keep moving, I can keep that door open. You're prepared. Yeah. For whatever happens yeah. if you, you know, keep it open. Right. And I'm not expecting Geffen or Interscope. Well, I think Geffen owns Interscope, but Warner Brothers, Universal, whoever. Like, I'm not expecting that phone call tomorrow, but I still want to, like, I think still needing to believe in that. And again, like, my idea of success has changed on a personal level. You know, I make a reasonable living getting to teach awesome people this amazing thing that I've had the fortune to learn from amazing people and you know I get to come home to an awesome wife and you know we live reasonably that I'm pretty happy with that so that's the other thing I'd tell them be okay with a fluctuating definition of success yeah because again success looks different for every for every person and yeah and, and you know don't get wrapped up in your own ego again going back to the fear of failure and the kind of un, uncompromising vision just do more things that make sense to do and don't let yourself get in the way of your own happiness yeah um, that's good yeah there's a saying that the only way to to fail is to quit sure you know too and i yeah. then there's also a, there's a book called feel the fear and do it anyway yeah um and that's good advice, I think, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the, the school band thing that you said because yeah. I did the same thing. My guitar yeah. teacher mm-hmm. taught on the same road as my high school, and he's yeah. like, you know, your high school has a great music program. Mm-hmm. You should get involved with it. Yeah. Like, they don't have guitar. He's like, so what? Play yeah. something else. Yeah. It's music. Yeah. That was that was where all the players were at my school, which was the reason that I never had like a high school band was because I didn't go to the band kids because i didn't know the band kids very well but those were the kids you could throw down yeah you know i thought that said marie kondo for a second Uh. (laughs) okay it does spark joy yeah there you go nice how do musicians and creative artists build an audience and keep from being obscure oh man wish i knew the answer to that question (laughs) no i think persistence is definitely a big thing and i think again having a kind of an identity you know because at the end of the day doing a creative thing depending on what you're doing you're either selling art or a like a product physical product yeah, yeah or you know your your music or yourself i mean i think especially kind of the, the world we currently live in it's really hard to be famous for art and then not just also kind of that famous famous i guess i would say in terms of just if you're you know, creating stuff that people really like, they tend to want to know more about you. But, you know, being engaging too. And again, kind of coming back to that compromising, and not compromising, but augmenting your, your vision as you need to. You know, like with, you know, with Mr. Pink stuff, you know, I, I don't think we write anything that we, we don't move forward with anything that we don't genuinely like. Yeah, that's you good. Know, we don't necessarily, we don't go in with like, okay, we're going to write, here. here's going to be our hit song with we're going to write a hook and, you know, we're going to, you know, we got our verse one, pre-chorus, chorus, verse two, chorus, bridge, third verse, then everything drops down for the last chorus and then we're out. Like we don't, we don't go into it with that kind of mindset, but if you're doing your art to make a living off it, that means 
doing your art to to sell it and to sell something somebody's got to be interested and if your product is so obscure it might be really hard for people to connect with that um, i think it's one thing to write great music it's another thing to write great music that people hear mm-hmm. they have to hear it to love it yeah and then they have to love it enough to want to share it mm-hmm. in a cool way not just like here oh i found mm-hmm. this song by this band check yeah. it out right and then nobody checks it out or they do <laughs> Or four people check it out out of still the 600 for, they... Still, still waiting for that third like on the Facebook post. <laughs> um, but, no, but, I, think that's a, I think that's a great point. I think that's a good point. Yeah, and I think one of the challenges, you know, and the reason I put this question out there is because, like, everything is evolving so mm-hmm. fast. You know, yeah. when I was younger, I had the dream of getting signed, too, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I was, I joined a band that I thought was going to get signed that had a manager in Seattle that flew to New York to Sony to talk to him yeah. about the band wow. and nothing. Yeah. But, you know, it was great. We mm-hmm. played a lot of good shows and opened for some great artists and stuff like yeah. that. But, uh, and now it's so different than mm-hmm. it was 10 years ago. And yeah. it's so different than it was five years ago. And it's mm-hmm. so different oh. than it was a year ago. Yeah. The... The, the the music industry as it exists today compared to how it existed 15 years ago when I started playing the guitar just leaps and bounds. Yeah. You know, I think especially compared to, like, 1989 to 2004, certainly changes. I mean, especially if you look at, like, genres and stuff like that. Right. But you're going from, you know, kind of the where CDs are kind of starting to take over, but you still got... You know, cassette, you still got vinyl. Yeah. But those are getting lesser and lesser. And then through to 2004, where now the MP3 thing's coming in. But you can still find any CD in a shop. And, you know, people are signing artists and doing A&R mm-hmm. and putting work into developing artists. And now it's just kind of like, it feels like it's flipped to where the artist, the band, whatever, needs to be their own accountant, manager, publisher yada 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 booker right everything everything and everything in between and then once you've built that kind of big following then then someone with a lot of money is ready to swoop in and discover you you know which i think was and you know different from the days where you could sign a band to a label and give them like three or four albums to you know figure it out Right, right, right. I'm just like, I'm sorry, where do I sign up for that? That sounds incredible. Uh. (laughs) Well, and a lot of the bands that have gotten signed and sort of made it, but didn't sell enough records, Mm -hmm. ended up owing indebted to the record company for their advance to Mm -hmm. make the album and do the tour in the first place. And then it's like, that's a whole other thing, um, which uh, is not ideal. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny that you know, that whole kind of, that idea of, as an artist, you kind of have to be everything you yeah. need beyond the art. Well, everybody is a brand nowadays. That right. Is... That are, you know, I remember, we, as we've kind of tried to, those administrative tasks, as we've tried to kind of put them out, you know, to different members of the band. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember thinking of this, uh, there's a football player for Ohio State years ago named Cardale Jones, who... Um, he was asked the question about his like academics or whatever, but the quote was, 
I didn't come to play school. I came to play football. (laughs) (laughs) And I I love that quote for so many reasons. But as a musician, I was just like, man, I didn't, I didn't learn to play the guitar to be a booking agent or a, you know, an accountant or a manager or a social media coordinator. But if, if I want to do the musician thing, like those are things that have to happen. And they have to happen to some extent, and then mm-hmm. it can't be too spammy and all that right. kind of stuff. It's tough. It's a tough yeah. thing to figure out. Because it is interesting, too, because you even look at a guy like Bo Burnham, who I love his comedy. Um, and he, like, was basically his career was born on YouTube from vid- videos he was making when he was in high school. And he has very little, if no, social media presence. Very small. Like, he's not, you know, tweeting every day and Instagramming and putting up you know, YouTube videos day after day after day. It's like he's relatively quiet. He'll do some, you know, press events and like he'll have his next stand-up set come out, but he does really well. So it is that kind of thing where... Does he have an agent that does something? Oh, probably. You know, yeah, he, like, he's certainly probably got a, you know, a good kind of corporate backing and and whatnot. But even there are lots of bands that still have that corporate backing that, Part of that thing is that all those areas are being, you know, tended to. If it's not them, it's the assistant in charge of PR for them doing, you know, tweets and whatever. So it is interesting because I think it's really easy to get that narrow focus of you have to be really super engaged on on social media. And I guess to be fair, Bo Burnham is an example of someone who like came about through social media, but then he kind of hit that certain plateau that now the content is just kind of the content and he doesn't need to put up a video every day that has an end cap with like, buy my shirts, Um, which, you know, not a critique or a knock on people who do that because for a lot of those YouTubers, like that's how they make their money is not not views. It's getting the links, getting the viewers to click over to the online store and and buying stuff. And affiliate marketing and things like that too. Yeah. Yeah. How important do you feel music and the arts are to society? I think pretty important because I think it's kind of what gives us joy in a lot of ways. You know, whether it's just like our entertainment, watching the the Simpsons or whatever, or there's something about art that can just connect with you on such a visceral level. And I think in terms of societies evolving, art is so intrinsically tied into that where when we talk about the renaissance which was you know not just art but it was about philosophy and i mean you could group philosophy into art i suppose but you know it was beyond just music and visual arts and medium but it was this kind of paradigm shift societally for you know that kind of place and time and i think that art can be really good at driving certain changes and it can also be good on reflecting on things and there's the quote that heard so many people say that it's kind of like the the mirror up to society whatever and sometimes it's it's just a silly little song like i have songs like that sure (laughs) like that's crystal crystal's a silly little song that i i find enjoyment out of it but there's not like a there's not a deeper meaning to that it's a pretty straight ahead song that just i like how it sounds as opposed to something like monsters which you know has a lot more emotional depth to it and you know, and could have that kind of, you know, not really making a critique or a statement about society necessarily, but just kind of not critiquing, but just kind of exploring like kind of what, what is. Um, Okay. So yeah, I think very important, I think in terms of 
driving social change, I think, in terms of bringing people together. But also, at the same time, like anything that's beautiful, it wielded by the wrong person, it can turn into something, you know, pretty visceral or wrong. You know, you think of, like, propaganda art or, like, kind of, like, neo-Nazi punk bands where it's just like, that art is not important to society, <laughs> or at least I'm going to say that. I think it abuses... Sure. You know, yeah. And it and mm-hmm. it I don't think art should be wielded in a harmful way. No. I think it's a beautiful thing and it should be treated with respect. Absolutely. I think all people, mm-hmm. races, religions mm-hmm. should be represented in a respectful way. Absolutely. You know? yeah. 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 Should musicians and creative artists just go for it or get a stable job and do their art on the side? I think there's certainly an argument to be made for either. Um, And I, for me, like my, my primary income is, you know, teaching guitar lessons. And so to me, it's not as much the, you know, it's not the songwriting creative output, but I definitely teach in a way that I think involves my creativity a lot because I, I'm sure you know this, it's like kind of one of the amazing things with one-on-one lessons is I don't have to have a curriculum designed for 30 people that realistically is going to work for at least 27. I can really cater each lesson to each individual person and I think so there's a a man of creativity that enjoyment that I get out of that and it can also kind of go back into that feedback loop where you know I've had times where you know it's just kind of playing through something with a student um you know or maybe just kind of running some things with my hands uh while they're like tuning up or whatever and I'll come up with an idea, and I'm just like, oh, wait, that, that's kind of cool. Okay, I need to finish this lesson, and then I need to hope that I remember this. Yeah. So I, I feel like I kind of fall into the middle of that dichotomy where, like, I, I went for it in the sense that I got a music degree, and I'm my primary income is coming from my music experience. Having said that, if I didn't get the music degree, and I had just tried to go out into the music scene, I would have crashed and burned so hard. You know, if I had just done that when I was 18, because again, I was not equipped with nearly enough musicality or the the ego prepared to fail. So I think if you're someone who needs a safety net, have that safety net. You know, if you're someone who can go for it, go for it. But I think it's ultimately what's going to work best for for that individual person. That makes sense. Yeah. How important is story to music? That's a good question. I think... I mean, I think it's always telling a story, even if it's not, you know, ex- expressly doing that. I think about instrumental pieces can, you know, tell a story. They might not have dialogue and scene transit. Well, they kind of have scene transitions based on kind of moving from one part to another. But it's always communicating something. It's always trying to kind of evoke or, pr- or provoke, rather, like a response, a feeling. You know, I think it can be really important to helping people connect with it because i know you know there are some people who just can't do instrumental music because there's not that there's not words there and the words are kind of that first you know the words of the melody are that first thing that most people will connect with in a song Hmm. kind of going back to lessons i always try to tell my students kind of listen through the layers meaning you're not really listening to the drums the drums are there you hear the drums but you're not listening to what they're doing listen to what they're like Go home, put your headphones on, try to ignore the vocal melody and the guitars for a second and just focus on that rhythm section, focus on the drums, focus on the bass, hear what layer is being set there, and then kind of try to let 
all of it come in, which can be hard. That's good. And I think I think story can be you know really nice. Again, we connect with stories. We love stories, and so I think I think it's pretty important. But again, there are Stairway to Heaven doesn't really have a story. Like it kind of does, but it's so vague that right. And uh, and like well, I think the chord progression is almost a story in oh, and of sure. itself. Yeah, you know, in and of itself. So you know, but comparing it to something like Iron Man, if we're just gonna go through the the cliche <laughs> classic rock songs, which man, I've been teaching a student Iron Man recently for the student concert. Yeah, right, you're teaching. Yeah, I forget how awesome that song. It's is. pretty awesome. It's, you know, you you take it for granted because you've listened to it for so so many times. Right. And then you listen through it, and you just kind of remind it's like oh it's got all these different parts it's got all these beats it hits it's got that tempo and key change in the middle of it for the guitar solo like it's it's cliched because it's amazing right um but it tells a story you know it tells you know the you know the dude who kind of lost his mind or yeah like travels through the void or an interdimensional thing i think i think it was because i was reading about this after i did my first lesson with that student for for iron man i think what it is 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 like a time traveler who like sees that the world is like ending and like part of him teleporting through time or whatever like he's just kind of like turned into that kind of quote unquote iron man and so he's like trying to warn the the people of the modern day as he comes back of the impending doom and you know no one treats him well and they kind of chastise him and mock him and then he ends up being the doom like he you know now iron man has his revenge and you know that's and that's kind of what the implication is supposed to be which it's different than tony stark then right yeah a little bit a little bit um not as quippy as him okay right Um, so yeah i think stories are one of the easiest ways to connect and so i think they can be really important to music but i think sometimes the story can take precedent over the music sometimes the music needs to be there to serve a story sure sometimes the story just needs to be there to serve the music yeah um, yeah like a bob dylan song versus a, yeah you know yeah black totally. sabbath song yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah totally how can music and art help people and have you seen an impact yeah i think it just makes better people that's a good thing it accesses parts of the brain like you know for problem solving critical thinking gets you thinking creatively i think especially as you get more and more into music theory and you learn how formulaic a lot of stuff is or can be right i was trying to preface music theory with music theory is not the directions from point a to point b it's the map and you can see where a and b are here's the different ways you can get there here's some kind of conventional ways that are probably going to be the path of least resistance here's these really wonky ways that you're just going to be going through going around mountains and whatever, but you'll eventually get there and it'll probably be a pretty insane story when you do. It can get into those parts of the brain and really, I think it can really interact with left brain and right brain really well in terms of accessing that, you know, emotional creative side, but also that, you know, kind of more calculating logical side and kind of marry the two. And I think that's really cool. And, you know, in terms of the impact, I think it's, like in lessons, it's always super fun when you get to see students have that like aha moment of, you <laughs> know, is. we've been, we've been talking about, you know, a concept or something. Like I have it a lot of times when I start to work on people with improvising and I tend to be a, like, I throw them in the deep end of the pool and tell them they need to figure out how to tread water. Yeah. And then like, you know, we'll, we'll do other stuff. Like, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm not just putting on. A All bag. right. Here's a kickboard. You're, 
You right. can float at least. Yeah, but it's like, something. you know, we'll we'll learn some scales and we'll pull up a backing track that will use those scales and, you know, here's some ideas that you can use, but ultimately you're going to have to figure out kind of how to stay afloat. And, you know, so again, that kind of, when that accesses that kind of critical thinking stuff and, and also that kind of thinking on the fly, but then when that aha moment happens of they played something that just was tasty and just fit perfectly and then like the whole thing just kind of stops because it was like that cool that it was just like whoa i mean i can still remember a couple of those aha moments from my own guitar lessons those are great um, yeah you know i'd be curious to ask you just with someone who's got more teaching and overall music experience like you know what are the kind of impacts that you've seen it had and you know why do you what do you think as far as music goes or just yeah yeah so well i've seen people pick themselves up out of very dark places you know Mm -hmm. because they have something to do that gets them through it and and that's huge because i think pain is a real thing that everybody Mm -hmm. deals with no matter who they are and having (laughs) something that's a relatively healthy it can be a culture music Mm -hmm. can be a culture it can be a you know community of people so i think it's extremely therapeutic and i think connections can go a lot deeper even just when you meet somebody and you both Mm -hmm. like dig the same band or you were at the same show and you're just like wow i love that band and and i was there and totally you know you just like have this instant connection another thing is uh being in another country playing Mm -hmm. music with people that yeah barely speak english but we could play through like the Eagles greatest hits or you know what I mean? Or uh, like play like Led Zeppelin four from beginning to end pretty much or whatever. I mean, that was so fun because you can sit down for hours and not say a word and Mm -hmm. just play a bunch of songs with people that you've never met before. And that's, there's something to that. Um, As far as students go, uh, I love seeing when the light bulb comes on Mm -hmm. and I love making the connections of, this seems really, really hard. And then suddenly it gets like, used to take you a month to learn a song. Yeah. Now it takes you 20 minutes and now it takes you five minutes. Mm -hmm. And Oh, by the way, here's a one, five, six, four chord progression. And now you can play eight of the songs on the Imagine Dragons album. If you know what key they're in. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, you know, I, one a, a moment I love, especially like early on with with students, is you know I tend to, and it's something I've kind of been changing more and more. But you know when I started playing the guitar, like my first lesson, I learned G, C, and D, and so a lot of my first lessons, you know, because I haven't, you know, get like my first teaching experience was fourteen years ago, but it was so unprepared <laughs> and uncultivated that I don't really count it. Right. But teaching at five star, you know, the last three years has been the only time in my life where I've had a student roster this big. Right. And yeah. and so I've, <laughs> I've I've figured out a lot more quickly how to kind of shift from rather than just doing the same thing with everybody over and over again to trying to if it's a six year old kid who chords are kind of tough, it's like let's start with just some rhythm stuff and really simple tab stuff. Right. But, you know, with those chords, you know, you kinda get the uh you kinda get the like the the walking fingers of like, you know, as you're going to that C chord, you're going one, two, three and kinda getting each finger down at a time. Yeah. Um so I love the aha moment when those fingers stop moving as three and start moving as one. Right. Um because then it's just like 
hey, that court, that was right in time. It was smooth and everything moved exactly how it was supposed to. That's a super fun one because it's, that's that kind of one of those first hurdles for, okay, now I can play something and really have it sound like music. Right. You know, not like strum, 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 switching chords, (laughs) strum, 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 which is still important oh it's, it's a big step it's yeah. a big step and it's so yeah i think those when the timing gets there yeah. too yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i had one this guy took lessons from me for about three or four years yeah and his mom was a professional violinist she played with like the oh, portland wow. opera and stuff yeah. like that so he grew up around music but when, mm-hmm. when he started with guitar he just started really taking off with it and it's just like i kept hearing him in his lessons and he got this new gnl guitar and mm-hmm. i'm just like man that guitar sounds really good yeah every time <laughs> like and, consistently yeah and that's a really good sounding guitar yeah. and then uh my wife at the time mm-hmm. uh bought me the same guitar oh, nice. so then yeah. yeah that's one of my number one guitars now okay. I, is that yeah the, uh, is that the telly the gnl yeah, yeah. the telly uh nice. and then uh that's that is a good guitar it is yeah yeah they have a unique sound and yeah. always sound really good uh but he ended up playing a gig with a band that i was in it was mostly a cover band and uh, so neither of us had very much time to get together before the gig. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, the gig's tomorrow night. Uh, let's do a lesson on Friday, and then you can play with us a four-hour show on Saturday. Yeah. So we had a one-hour lesson, and we went through 40 songs. Jeez. And he learned them all in, in an hour. So dang, that was that's, fun. That's bonkers. And he killed yeah. it. Like, he that... did really well, because it's like... You know, this is just a one five six four. Yeah. This one mm-hmm. is a one four five twelve bar blues style. Yeah. You know, it's in a. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could check off. You could check off quite a few oh, of those yeah. songs and like, mm-hmm. and then you go through all the weird tricky bits, mm-hmm. and that's where most of the time is spent. But, yeah. yeah so forty songs in in an hour is pretty good. It's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. No, Joff gets credit for your part of your uh, guitar prowess. Well, it was almost you. <laughs> no, no, no joke. I, I, I thought, I'm, You're just like, that guy's too old. I need to learn from the one with the mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, the the original five-star location. So this was, I took like a six-month hiatus from lessons after I stopped at What's Up Music. Um, kind of gave it a shot of like, you know, I've learned some basic things. Let's see kind of what I can do going forward and i didn't progress um but so i had a buddy in school who had you know recommended you for lessons so we went into the little house on cornell to sign up for lessons and i think just scheduling didn't work right so i ended up with joff and so i did you know i did a lesson with him and you know it was good first lesson then we moved over to tannisborn and did a couple of more and then went to this was back when he was in western ariel and he had a show at the Hawthorne Theater that I went to, and it just blew my little 16-year-old mind. Well, the first three bands were, you know, kind of so-so, but it was funny, because it was like, I was there with a buddy of mine, and there was just like hardly anyone else there for those first three bands, and so I'd kind of just, I was like, all right, so I guess this is just how that's going to go, and then third band ended, and then there's this big swell of people who came in, and just like, place was packed. And, and then, you know, they, they went and played and that was the first time I heard them. And, you know, and I was just like, I'm not taking lessons from anybody else. Right. Yeah. No, that would do <laughs> it. Know? That would sell and, that. You know, yeah. I mean, and then obviously when I went to college and you know, I, 
took lessons from Neil Grandstaff, and I've you know, popped in for a lesson or two with Nathan Baker for yeah. the kind of gypsy jazz stuff. But he's awesome. Yeah. yeah, no. So it's it is kind of funny that I'm I'm glad that I've still gotten to know you, even if it wasn't as many students. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Likewise, Michael. Yeah. All right. So what skills are important for everyone to learn? I think communication is a big one. And I think I've heard a few other people in other episodes of your podcast, you know, kind of say that same thing. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try true. to keep it brief. But I do okay. I do think there are so many a lot of times think of like in like an interpersonal relationship, a lot of times when there's conflict, it, it's really common for it to be about how things are being communicated or miscommunicated. You know, like I've had those people have different communication styles and so when one person is kind of doing like a, a cold shoulder thing or something. It might just be that it's like, they're fine. They're just not like actively engaging in it. And the other person is thinking like, oh, because that's what I would do if I was like, <laughs> screw them. So they, they just, they assume that the other person that is that acting how they is would. what that means. You know? yeah. And, and wow. I think given the length of time we've been talking, it's not surprising to find out that I tend to prefer over communication than under communicating <laughs> things. Cause if I, if I need to say the thing three times for it to be heard once I, I will sure. as opposed to saying it once, but sometimes part of that too, like I know there are definitely people who don't like over communication because it can be redundant. And I <laughs> respect that too. And I don't relish doing like needing to say the same thing over and over and over again. But I think, I think communication is a big one. And again, just kind of empathy and all the things, just the things related to kind of understanding one another, because I think so many, yeah, I just think there are a lot of issues that if empathy and communication are being practiced it's like you can understand okay i'm not going through what this person is going through these problems are not affecting me directly but i can still care about them because i can empathize with that person and i can have a strong communication where they illustrate to me these things that are happening that are outside of my scope which i think especially growing up a middle class white kid in the suburbs like it's really easy to just like i'm not gonna say i didn't have my own problems growing up but i lived pretty comfortably so it's requires empathy to be able to understand that other people haven't right and you know some people have you know had it worse off than me some people have had it better off than me and that you know i can communicate with those people and try to understand those things and maybe help make those things better one way or another. Have you heard Rock in the Suburbs by Ben Folds? I have not. <laughs> you should, you should look that out. out. Yeah. I was say, just, just by the title, that, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's very entertaining, I yeah. gotta say. Yeah. yeah. All right. For a student to get the most out of their lesson, what should they do to prepare, or what could they do to prepare, including practice week, mindset, and anything that comes to mind? I think if it's a very first lesson for like, you know, guitar or a strung instrument specifically, doing a little bit of advanced homework on how to tune is really nice. Um, Cause I don't know about you, but like I've had, I've had some students who it's like, we can work on tuning for like the first five minutes and we're off to the races. I remember like right after I started, I had one lesson where I was trying to lead off with how to tune and it ended up taking all 30 minutes and then it was like, okay, well, practice tuning this week, I guess. You know, so I think if it's it's a relatively simple skill, but it takes lots of practice to get better at it. Yeah, tuning, with tuning tune, by ear. Tuning yeah. by ear is tough. Yeah. That, that is a skill that takes in practice to develop. But I mean, even, you know, tune in with a little snark tuner. It's like you can, once you've done it enough, you can get tuned up really, really quickly. But then 
as a kid. Okay, it's flat, so I'm going to bring it up. Now okay, it's now it's sharp. I'm going to bring it back. Now it's flat. Now it's flat. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to go to the next string. It's not changing. It's not changing. It's oh not boy. changing. On the wrong I'm holding, the wrong, yeah. I'm holding <laughs> the wrong key. Yeah, I've broken a few strings that way yeah. myself. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I think beyond that, I think going in, knowing what your expectations are, knowing what your desires are, what your goals are, beyond I want to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Because I think we both know that that goal is unbelievably vague, and there's so many different ways. Like, I can teach you a G chord, and a C, and a D, and you can get through a lot of songs with those three chords. Like, I've done my job. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think in terms of, like, week to week, like, once you're in lessons, I think practicing is super important. It's something that, again, like, if I go back and talk to 14-year-old Michael, it'd be, you know, those things that you're supposed to practice in between lessons, do them. <laughs> you know, or at least you know, prioritize them more strongly. Um, but I think, you know, beyond that, you know, just practicing. One of the things that I gained from guitar lessons, you know, with Joff and, and with Neil certainly was that idea of becoming, you know, more self-sufficient in my learning, mm-hmm. which at a, at a certain point lessons end. And depending on where you want to go with them afterwards, you need to know how to learn and kind of how to teach yourself, which was a lot easier for me when I stopped doing lessons because I had spent so much time not doing the things that I was supposed to be doing in lessons, but going and finding other things to do. You know, so I always, I always tell my students, work on this stuff. If there's a song that like you hear between now and our next lesson and you spend the whole week working on that, that was still a lot of work you're putting into something and like we can just do whatever I told you to do. We can do that at our next lesson and check in on that thing that you were working on because I think being adventurous in your learning and not being if you're expecting all the all the learning that you're going to need to do to get out of the instrument what you want to happen in 30 minute sections once a week it's going to take a really long time. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of work that has to be, you know, put in at, at home where it's like I have I have some of those students who it's like, boy, they put that work in at home and they come in, you know, every week or every other week and I see them and I'm just like kind of going back to that, like, you know, knowing how to write your part idea. Like I just kind of sit back and I'm just like, I'm going to try to not just like interject too much and ruin this unbelievable streak they're on. I'm right. just going to kind of <laughs> keep going, bud. Yeah. Like, that's great. Right. Um, yeah. You know, so I think, yeah, practice, knowing the things that you can do to enjoy the instrument. Because I also, I also know for me, after going through music school, my, like, academic approach to music became very intense is the wrong word, but very based out of the recent experience that I had going through music school. Right. And a seven-year-old doesn't need that. No. Um, you know. But so I, you know, I, I do try to make a conscious effort with my students, regardless of age or skill level, like make sure you identify the things that you have fun doing with this and do those things. Like, yeah. Because I know like I'll be the first to admit I hate practicing. I absolutely hate it. There was a Ray Lewis, the former football player. He had a quote about the his salary. That's paying Monday through Saturday. That's paying me for practice. That's paying me to watch tape. That's paying me to rehab injuries. Sundays you get for free the game that I'll do for free. You're paying me for everything else in between. Yeah. And you know, that's the kind of thing where it's just like, I always kind of resonated with that quote. Cause I just, I don't know. Like, yeah, just at least sitting down and it just, 
has never been super fun for me, but right. at the same time, I know that when I do sit down and do those practice sessions, I tend to have more fun than I expect to. And then when I'm playing later and I'm just goofing off for fun, it sounds way better. Yeah. You know, and so you notice yeah, the difference, you yeah. know, n- knowing that the, the carrot at the end of the stick, like that, it, it, it tastes pretty great. Um, <laughs> so put in that work to, to grab it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. For me, work ethic has been a acquired skill it is not something i inherently have well what's so funny because it's different it's different for me i like as a kid i was really like we were outside all the time and i I was like getting my friends let's build a Mm -hmm. fort you know uh let's go down to the church rummage tail and buy stuff and then like sell it at a garage sale for more yeah you know so i was always like doing stuff like this i brought like gum and candy like to in my in junior high and sold it i had a big duffel bag and i had a teacher asked me to stay after for stay after class one day and i'm like oh my god i'm in trouble and he's like i want you to know something i was like okay he goes what you're doing is free enterprise if anybody gives you any hassle have him talk to me. I'm like, great. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, that's awesome. So I, I'm really good at like not holding myself accountable if there's not anything else to do it. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you know, I, I think especially too, just working 40 hours a week and like that now that's what I've been doing for mm-hmm. a couple of years. And so that's kind of settled in. Like I've just been like a lot of days I just get home and I just don't have the, energy to like feel like i'm gonna write a kick-ass song right, right. now you know it's, yeah it takes it zaps the creativity it, for yeah sure. it, it it just kind of feels exhausting which you know doesn't mean i don't do it but i it know means that it's like it you know i have to really get myself to do it mm-hmm. as opposed to if it's something like if someone's paying me to play or write something and like i need to have it by a certain deadline like i'm working on that because now i've like I've got a reason outside of myself to yeah. do that, you yeah. know, and kind of similar with like the student concert tunes. It's like, I will try to put work into those because I know I'm, I'm not doing that for myself. Like I'm doing that for my students and the concerts in general to get those performances to be as good and as fun as they possibly can. Yeah. yeah. You know, but if it's just something that I'm doing just for myself, I'll do it tomorrow. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's healthy to some extent, though, to have those. I think you need to find the middle. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I think being too far to either end can be dangerous or just unhealthy. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what are some social issues that people should care more about? You know, I think in terms of like human rights, just kind of anything that invalidates a person's existence, um, things like racial discrimination, which you know still definitely exists today i think you know disc- i mean discrimination of just about any kind but i think like you know some some lgbt kind of issues yeah. and things there which you know again that's you know that's not my that's not my kind of identity so i won't try to speak too much to it other than that you know it, it's i i just find it a lot easier to try to get to know a person as they are and not what my preconceived notions have decided they should be right again i think that kind of goes back to the communication and and empathy thing i think in general don't be afraid to communicate especially if you're making like a willing 
intent to understand and to be compassionate. There's been this whole kind of like soul reaction to kind of the, the Me Too movement of these employers. So it's like, like, or these, you know, people, I just, I don't feel like I can, you know, talk to women anymore because I'm afraid that I'm going to, you know, do something. And it's like, I don't, I don't feel like it should be that hard to not be gross, um, <laughs> you know, but, but again, but it's the kind of thing, you know, where when I'm trying to understand somebody else, like I've definitely had those foot in, in mouth moments sure. of, you know, talking to somebody and trying to understand their experience with racial discrimination and, you know, saying something that was heartfelt and genuine, but ended up just kind of coming out kind of rude. And I think that's the scary part is like... Mm-hmm. If you phrase something wrong, like I'll say something yeah. wrong to people that I know really well and mm-hmm. they'll be like, well, what do you mean by that? And it's just like, sure, let me rewind and try to yeah. say it the way that I had it in my brain before the words came out. Because yeah. that it wasn't meant in any kind oh, of yeah. way. Um, but but yeah. I think, and, and I think that's the kind of thing too, is that it's like, you know, if, if I say something that, you know, offends someone else and they, you know, have the courage to tell me that because it's also really tough to kind of stick up for yourself in those kind of situations i think that's the the best case scenario is if they come to you and tell you something and it's not a you're fired (laughs) and yeah uh we're gonna have this on your record because you were saying something in this way and you're just like well first of all that's uh, that's not what i meant i clarified that that's not what i meant sure uh, you know, because I, I a, a friend of mm-hmm. a friend of mine had that happen and got fired, sure. and that was like there was a meeting, she got fired, mm-hmm. and her intention was explained in the meeting, mm-hmm. like the context was explained. Yeah. It wasn't what it sounded like. She sure. apologized. She did all of the things she was yeah. supposed to do, and she got fired. Yeah. And it was just this big, like, HR scandal thing. Sure. <laughs> it's like, that's too bad. Yeah. I, you know, I think in, I think in most cases, if you're, if you're coming to it with, like, legitimate compassion, I think the other thing, too, is, like, making sure, you know, you do it with someone that you're comfortable enough asking that of, as opposed to, you know, just kind of random person on the street, which I'm not trying to speak to the scenario you laid out at all, because I have no information other than what you just right. told me. So <laughs> me, me, me trying to speak to that would, I would be pointless, but I think in most cases, if you go into it with compassion and a true desire to understand a person and connect with them more, when you do put your foot in your mouth, it's, you know, they might react strongly. They might just do a little like, Oh, Hey, that's not cool. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah, fine. But I think I think that's the kind of thing too. Is a lot of times the reaction to the, like, you just said something that was really uncool, is the, but I didn't mean it like that. And it kind of and it it changes the it changes the conversation from, I have hurt you to, you have been hurt by this thing that I did, and that and dissociating it sure. from me. Right. It's it's the difference between like I, I I'm sorry that I hurt you, versus. I'm sorry if I offended you because that's putting the onus for that's putting like the entire onus for that situation on that other person and divorcing yourself of like the responsibility to it. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it's, that's <laughs> tough. it's, it's, a heavy, it's, there, well, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, 
There's a lot of there's a lot of publicity there that there's a lot of stuff to yeah, and some of it is dive deep into like yeah. super well founded and yeah unfortunate yeah. What is it like working with artists and musicians? Um, you know, I don't think too much different than you know just kind of working with other people. It's so funny. I think Nate said exactly oh, that yeah. same thing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Um, I was like, which, which is funny because we've had, I mean, we've had two bands that we've been in together. We've had three different places where we've both worked, including, you know, five star. So it makes sense that we would both, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, I think cause artists and musicians are just people who are doing a thing that they're doing for whatever reason they've decided to do it Okay. the same way that when I'm working in the, the stock room at crate and barrel a couple of years ago while I was trying to build up my my student roster so that I could make make enough doing that working with people who were coming into positions with different different intensities different aspirations so it's you can meet artists and musicians who are unmotivated you can meet them you can meet some who are incredibly motivated and right on top of it the same way that you go into an office and you know there's person sitting in this cubicle who was just waiting until five o'clock to punch out and get out right. and then that other person who got there early and stayed late or whatever and and you know it's not to say like that i think yeah just i think i think people are people and i think working in a musical capacity is a lot more fun than you know working in a stock room or a cubicle or whatever which is not to kind of belittle or mock those things they just they they have not worked for me as well you know at the same, but at the same time i think the most frustrated i've ever got in in like those kind of group work scenarios have been with other artists and musicians as opposed right. to you know just other people who are working in the same office as me or in the same store as me or on the you know the same group research project for biology 101 right all right is there a way that we as artists can work together help one another maintain our creativity and our own vision for our journey yeah that's a tough one um i mean i think you know supporting each other is always really good and that's a pretty vague statement i mean you know going to people's shows you know going you know viewing their art sharing their stuff i mean at the same time it's like it, it that can get really exhausting too just because there's such an overabundance of it right it's hard um, when you work in a guitar shop and it's like everybody that you know has yeah. a gig on saturday night right. and you're just like and i'm just yeah. like but i could just watch like game of thrones reruns like and <laughs> and i can be in my pajama pants for that right? I, can, I can't go to the rock show in my pajama pants right. people judge me uh, <laughs> I think as a, I've gotten more and more comfortable with, you know, sitting and kind of stewing with like, this is really hard. Yeah. And being able to be vulnerable and open enough with other artists to kind of acknowledge that, that difficulty and the kind of the fears and the struggles that can come with that rather than I think it, and, and I don't really experience this too much. But there can definitely be those people who it's kind of like the Facebook profile. It's like everything on the exteriors looks <laughs> say, perfect, yeah, looks on. fantastic. But it's like there has to be something. Going on cruises every weekend or yeah. every month or whatever. You know, but not really 
you know, I think being real and honest with each other, I think been a part of some great discussions about like if if you're at my show and I played like crap and you tell me great job, great job like there are some people who get pissed off at that. I just accept it as it's part of the thing. And, you know, I if I feel like I played really poorly, I probably don't want to talk to anybody anyways. Sure. But I've, I've, I've had some people who it's just like, no, nah, if it was rough, like give me the criticism, give me the critique. I want to be better. And there's a value in that too. I think if every time I got off stage to my musician friends, I got 10 different critique points of like how to make it better. I think that would start to get a little bit difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I think, you know, finding your people, that you can be honest and open with and finding ways to that kind of constructive criticism. Cause I think there are very few people who are better artists completely in isolation with, without working with other people. There are some people who can do a lot of stuff by themselves and it's really impressive. I, as a musician, I've only experienced things being better when other people kind of gave me feedback and critiques. There was this once, I, n- I never ended up doing anything with it, but there was this song that I was working on. This was back in Corvallis, and, and I don't remember what the chord progression was, but I, I showed it to Nathan, and Nathan pointed at like one of the chords, and he was like, I don't like that one. That one should change. And I really liked that one there, so I was like, you know, whatever, he's wrong. So then I go and show it to one of my other bandmates later, and he picked out the exact same chord, and he was like, that one should change. And then I was just like, dang it. Because <laughs> it was like, you know, if one of my bandmates has, you know, that opinion, it's like, okay, we're each on one side of right. the thing. If I have two musicians who I, you know, trust and respect and enjoy working with telling me that thing needs to change, it probably needs to change. Yeah. You know, it's the same way that if we, I, I've tried to be pretty good at, like, if I'm the only one in the room who isn't digging the song, mm-hmm. let's do the song. <laughs> oh, um, I thought you were going to say find another no. room. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But it's like, if it's, if it's an 80-20 split between five people about is this, is, does this work or not, and I'm alone on an island like it's probably not that everyone else is out to get me right it's probably that the thing's not as good as i think it is yeah and and it needs work yeah what's funny about music Mm -hmm. is that we have trained ears we're Mm -hmm. used to hearing things in a certain way yeah and when we hear it differently than that sometimes it can you know kind of go against the grain a little bit and you're just like "Eh, yeah i don't know if i like that Mm mm-hmm but sometimes that's where the catchy stuff is too. Yeah. So it's a it's a fine line mm-hmm. between kind of implicitly be okay with getting critique and feedback, right? Yeah, you, know, you have to it, have a thick skin mm-hmm. a little bit, which yeah. and another thing is it's our expectations are what let us down, right? It's not sure. the actual thing. Right. It's like, oh, if I expect everything that I'm going to make to be brilliant and everybody to love it, Wait, it's, it's probably not. not well, <laughs> well, not for no. me. No, no, I mean, not for, for you. I'm not, sure it is. No, but no, no, not for me at all. <laughs> not for me at all. No, but you yeah. know, it's just, it's like I know that half of the stuff I'm gonna play is garbage right, right. now. So yeah. just tell me what's garbage. Yeah, and we'll morph it into something that's oh, not yeah. garbage or try something else. Well, and it'll be the same thing, you know, where especially with with Nathan and I, as we've grown our musical horizons, and we'll find some weird concept or idea that you know we think is super cool and i think the way that i usually kind of put it is like if i if i've made a song way weirder than it needs to be because i'm trying to make it more intellectually interesting for me i have to remind myself don't get cute with it right 
uh, serve the song. Yeah. There's a mantra I've heard that I really like with the idea being that it's like, you know what? If this song doesn't need a Neapolitan chord, it probably shouldn't have one. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> no, I think serve the song is the best thing, yeah. you know, honestly. And uh, I've also heard that like into uh, if you're on a whitewater raft, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the raft is tur- going backwards. Don't try to make yeah. it go forward. Just let it go backwards go a little it. while. Because yeah. that's it's it's the way it needs to Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Michael. Yes. Are there any questions I should have asked you that I didn't? I don't think so. Okay. I, think you, I think you did a pretty good job. I Michael. try. I I'll try. give you a golf uh, clap. Golf clap, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, how can folks uh, find you online? So, uh, with my band Mr. Pink, um, facebook.com slash M-R-P-I-N-K-P-D-X. So, Mr. Pink PDX, but no period after the M-R, because URLs. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um I think Instagram is also the kind of slash Mr. Pink PDX. I think with Twitter, we had to go with Mr. Pink Music um, okay. because Mr. Pink PDX was taken. Um, but, you know, we're, our, our album's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, you can find it pretty much any music streaming platform you use. You can find it. Um, there, there's surprisingly more than one artist with our name. Um, so if you're looking for our album, if you search Mr. Pink Lip Service, that tends to put you right onto it. If you just search Mr. Pink, you might have to kind of sift through some things before you kind of land on us. But uh, the album cover is really easy to identify. It's uh, like red and pink, and it's got this uh, this uh, lipstick kind of like having been opened you know, and exposed mm-hmm. kind of on the cover, um, which Nathan did, and it looks awesome. And, you know, kind of going back to that, you know, missing the, like, the album art and stuff, you know, it's phenomenal album art, and it's only ever really existed as, like, a thumbnail image on a k- computer screen or on wow. download cards. Okay. Um, you know, which bums me out, because he did such an awesome job on it. Like, the back cover, too, which the back cover, I think, might only be visible in like our Facebook photos because the download card doesn't need it. A Spotify thumbnail doesn't need the backside either, but he did a killer job with that too. Yeah. He's good at that stuff. Yeah. For sure. So how can folks support your, your music? You think, you know, follow us on those platforms, uh, come to our shows. You know, if you like it, tell your friends and bring them along. Think, yeah, just if, if you're digging what you're doing, you know, we've got, We've got the download cards, and we tend to, you know, just like, I think officially they're three, four bucks, but, you know, if you come up to me after a show and ask for one, I'll give you one. Um, <laughs> if you want to pay for it, uh, cdbaby.com, I believe, is where you can pay for the MP3s. That's where you'd have to go to down use the download code from the download card anyways. But, yeah, I'd say that would be, that'd be a thing to check out. And then, as far as, yeah, supporting us, keep an eye on our social media pages and if we got a show, you can make it too. Come check it out. I think you'll have fun. If you mention like you heard the podcast and came and checked, like I'll give you a big hug. Or if you don't <laughs> want a hug, I'll just give you like a good handshake or whatever. Because like physical contact, not everybody's thing. So I want to respect that. But like if, if I'll, I'll give you a big hug if you want it. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome. Um, yeah, money. And, right? <laughs> money money helps a money, lot. Well, people not. need... Yeah. Yeah, people need resources to be able to keep making art because until it's making money, it's costing money, right? Right. Yeah, it's I the, the thing that I realized when we got really serious about, you know, kind of you know, being a band, you know, not not being like a band, but like, you know, doing it. 
um, was it's basically like you're starting a small business and you've just got like the worst business model. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. You know, I think I've found that, which, you know, when I say it like that, I'm just like, what am I even doing? Um, but seems so cynical, but we can laugh about it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, but I think a band, you know, it's, it's not like, it's, it's obviously not entirely a business venture. Right. You know, and um, the same way that like if I'm really passionate about cooking and I start a restaurant, that restaurant's not about my passion to cook. It's about making money. Right. You know, um, be, you know, but otherwise so. it's not a restaurant very long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so how, how can folks, uh, book guitar lessons with you? They can, uh, so I teach out of five star guitars. They can go to our store in Beaverton right off of highway 26. Um, they can also call in over the phone. I think our number's five, zero, three, four, three, nine, nine, five, zero, zero. Yeah, buddy. And likewise, you can go on the line, uh, go on the, online. <laughs> on the go, line, go on, on the, the interwebs. Line. Yeah. Them, them, <laughs> them worldwide internets. Uh, yeah. Go onto our website, uh, five star guitars.com. Uh, five spelled out F I V E, not the numeral. There's a lessons tab, click it, go to book a lesson. You can get signed up through there. That can be pretty convenient if, that's your kind of thing if you're very much a in-person kind of pen and paper in your planner you can come in and sign up for lessons if you come in in the in the morning between monday and thursday i'm probably around to book lessons and if it's after that then i'm teaching lessons and usually busy with that but yeah that that'd be the best way to do it i love teaching guitar and i also teach ukulele and music theory and stuff you know i do a little bit of voice too right yeah a little bit i'm not like actively accepting vocal students just because and at least in terms of i feel a lot more composed and kind of i feel a lot more rounded out as a guitar player sure than i do as a as a vocalist especially just because you know i've had you know i've certainly had vocal training i i'm i still see ray from time to time to get some you know tips from him on on singing and you know especially breath control i you know my very first singing instruction was mary Mary Kay Bab, well, Mary Kay Butcher Babcock, who was my elementary school music teacher. Uh, Russ Christensen was my choir director at Oregon State, who was a phenomenal choir conductor. And so, like, I've I've had vocal people, you know, but I've had so few like one-on-one vocal lesson interactions that you know, like, with I've got I'm you know I'm kind of working to expand it more a little bit. I don't think I'd ever really want to have more than two or three at a time, as opposed to like I could. I could teach nothing but guitar lessons all day. I, I like teaching the uke, but it's it's not where my passion is the way that the guitar is. Um, right. Trying to get trying to get better at the bass so that I can kind of teach that more in earnest because I've had a couple of bass students. Mark DeForge. Yeah. yeah, Mark DeForge. You know, was one who started off with me, and you know, kind of when he started off with me, I was like, this will probably go for a little bit, and then I'm gonna tell you to you know go talk to one of our you know base like one of our other base teachers because i can get you i can get you started a little bit um but eventually like you know what we will hit that kind of end point sooner rather than later and you know now he's doing lessons with you and it's been so fun to watch him at student concerts and yeah, just you know up a ton getting of into it yeah. and you've done a phenomenal job of like cleaning up the bad habits that i would have programmed into him um <laughs> i'm trying no but yeah. yeah no so just like primarily guitar but a few voice lessons here there 
bass lesson here or there. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time and thank telling you. us your story. Absolutely. Look forward to hearing more of your music and thank uh, you. teaching with you more. And, Absolutely. Uh, rocking out. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Find out more at artmedianorthwest.com. A-R-T-M-E-D-I-A-N-W dot com. Mm-hmm.